Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is Episode 8, Talking with Wireless Mike. We are broadcasting live, well, live to us from the Power of Change Shedquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. Beautiful fall, autumn colors in Blacksburg today. I'm your host, Reed Monahan, here with my co-host, Jesse Fury. How you doing today, brother? Hey, Reed. I'm doing well, man. All right. You got a Martin Luther book in front of you. I'm looking forward to hearing about that here in a minute. I'm, I am super uh, thankful today and a little bit excited, to be honest, because we have our very first in-studio guest today here with us on the underground with our, my friend, Dr. Michael Buer. He's director of the wireless uh, group at Virginia Tech in the Department of Electrical Engineering. And he's already shown some really nerdy, geeky stuff to me about how he's training a machine to play tic-tac-toe right before my eyes. I was very thankful to th- see that. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm, out, I'm doing all right, brother. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Mike, uh, Mike and I first met uh, during uh, Casey and I's first tour, uh, as we like to say, in Blacksburg. We lived here from 1998 to 2004, and we were uh, working with a group called Virginia Tech Athletes in Action at the time. But Mike and Andrea, his wife, they were having their kids. We were starting to have our kids together. We were the same house group, kind of a, a small group Bible study meeting in homes when our children were kind of just starting out. And so... It's been fun. Uh, Mike's a soccer coach in the club where my daughters play, and so my oldest daughter scrimmages with uh, one of his daughters often, and so it's been fun reconnecting with you, and uh, thank you for joining us here today. No, it's an honor to be here. Oh, man. Mike, Mike's a busy man. He's uh, got all kinds of stuff going on in the uh, technological industry, and we, we, we were going to have him on a couple weeks ago, but he had to go into tech boot camp, get some things ready for work, but we're just thankful for your time. We know it is a precious commodity that we're all having limited amounts, and so thanks for hanging out in the shed uh, here today. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. Well, we're going to get to know Mike a little bit here today. Uh, But before that, we're going to hit up our first segment today uh, here on the Underground. This is a segment we've called Ruts and Butts. Obviously, it comes from the term under the sun, ridiculous things under the sun and beautiful things under the sun. This comes from a phrase from the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, one of the philosophical wisdom uh, literature of the Old Testament where the phrase under the sun is used by the preacher, Solomon, to say, look, look at life here under the sun. And Jesse and I have realized that a lot of life is uh, ruts, ridiculous, ridiculous, and thank God there's a lot of beautiful things as well. So I'm going to handle the ruts today, and Jesse's going to go in for us on the butts. But I found this... uh, article. It actually was shared with me uh, from two guys that I met when they were students at Vanderbilt University. Uh, They were like double majors in like classics and math, like just really spooky smart guys. Uh, And they found this article written by three physicists from Australia. And and the article was entitled, Taking the P, P P-E-E, Out of Physics, How Boys Are Getting a Leg Up. Very weird title. And you might think, what is this article about? Well, it's a very weird article article. I might even say ridiculous. So basically the article's premise was that boys have an unfair advantage. It's it's commonly known in the industry that there's a lot more boys uh, later on in life in engineering technology type fields. And so everyone's trying to figure out why. I certainly have one of my daughters who's, who's going into the science and math fields for sure. She She's going to break the norm. 
So people have talked a lot about what gives guys, you know, an advantage. Do they have an advantage? Or is it just societal? Is there anything neurological? Obviously, you can't say too much about this or you lose your job. Uh, but in terms of uh, their thesis was that uh, the way physics is taught, guys, and Mike, you probably know this with your kids and, and, and being in the industry, Jesse, uh, when you start physics, you usually start by shooting cannonballs or doing something called projectile motion. You used to learn some basic, uh, how, how you throw a ball through the air and it kind of goes in this kind of parabola, little arc, right? Shooting guns in World War II before our, our modern weapon systems, you know, you had to, you know, plot trajectories and such. And so, well, the, the article says that boys have an unfair advantage because they've peed literally peed, standing up literally 14,000 times by the time they're 14. And so uh, they know how projectile motion works better than girls. Let me read you a couple quotes out of this. The fact that boys and men play with their ability to projectile pee is hardly contentious. Boards are trained to pee in the toilets at floating targets, a huge variety of which can be bought on Amazon. In the Amsterdam airport, it famously cleaned up its urinals by encouraging men to hit little flies etched into the drain. Meanwhile, YouTube videos explain how to write your name in the snow and post-mass celebration antics and all sorts of ridiculousness going on. All of this, uh, these physicists say, is experienced up to five times a day. So by 14, boys have had the opportunity to play with projectile motion around 10,000 times. And 14 is when many children meet the formalized physics in the form of projectile motion, Newton's equations of motion for the first time. And so their solution, they called, obviously it's a little bit humorous, they called challenging the flow. And the authors say this, however, we can make a change. It's not necessary for physics curricula to begin with projectile motion. Other topics, such as the conservation of energy, uh, energy can either be created or destroyed in the universe, closed system, which is more central to physics, could be taught first. Girls are already at a cultural disadvantage in a traditionally male-dominated subject. Let's not add an embodied disadvantage by unthinkingly sticking with traditional curriculum sequencing. Thank you, Anna Wilson. Thank you. Uh, Kate Wilson, and thank you uh, to David Lowe, Honorary Lecturer, School of Physical Environmental Math Sciences at University of New South Wales. I think a little bit ridiculous. What do you got beautiful for us today, Jesse? Now, are they recommending that boys sit? Like that? <laughs> no, no. Uh, by the way, I like having a target. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, when you train your children, right, boys, you train them one way. Uh, you put Cheerios yeah. or, you know, you, you bribe them all. Uh, but you put Cheerios in, and, and you do say hit them. So they they are working with trajectories for for a long time. Is that the secret? Is but Kylie is breaking the mode because she's never done it, but she's still very solid mm. on her geometry. Mm. Well, you know, speaking of bodily movements, um, <laughs> I've got not. this great I've got this great spiritual biography of Martin Luther by Herman Selderhaus that I want to recommend. It's a beautiful thing under the sun. Uh, now, I say speaking of bodily movements, Luther was famous for talking about his own bodily movements. Uh, uh, one some, of, most of them unquotable, right? Like, yeah, yeah, there are some that are unquotable. I'm going to quote one anyway. Um, <laughs> one of my favorites is uh, when, he, when he says uh, that when he, when he confronts the devil and he says, I, if I can't chase him away by, by reminding of him of my, uh, my justification in Christ alone, uh, I find that I can chase him away with a good fart. Oh, gee. 
Luther, I tell you what, lots of good things uh, done by Luther. Lots of just crazy, crazy things. Yeah, I think things. he might have been a little crazy. But, yeah. but this is the 500-year anniversary of the Reformation. And it, as a part of that, Crossway has released this book, this, this new biography of Martin Luther. There are, there are dozens of good biographies on Luther. I, I'm re- recommending this based on having read uh, Selderhouse's biography of John Calvin. It's mm. called a Pilgr- I think it's called A Pilgrim's Life. Yeah. And uh, it was such a good biography and really uh, helped me see Calvin even as a, uh, as a pilgrim, as someone who is, who's, who's really a, a, a sojourner back and forth in different places and how that translated to him tr- training men to go and be church planters. And mm. in fact, famously, uh, there was a comment that, that as men graduated from his Geneva Academy, uh, th- their, their graduation diploma was a was that was a death sentence because mm-hmm. they go back into France and yeah, often be yeah. persecuted. So we've got this, this beautiful new book, Martin Luther, a spiritual biography. If you're trying, if you just kind of want to learn about Luther, the, the man who, who sparked this reformation, uh, I think this would be a good place to start. And, yeah. and in fact, it's a, it's a physically beautiful book. Yeah. I, I, it's got this great portrait of Luther that then is, is subtly divided with different shapes and colors, which gets at the kind of the, one of the things that Selderhouse is trying to do here is show that, that Martin Luther was a complex, he was a complex, often divided yeah. uh, man at war, even within himself. And so yeah. he's going to try in this book to uh, unpack that and show that both through Luther's writings, which he's translated for this work and just through, through is he the a life Ger- of German, native he's German a Dutch, speaker? Uh, Dutch. He's, yeah, okay. he's a Dutch professor in, in the Netherlands. So Wonderful. Uh, recommend it. And it, it I do judge books by covers. <laughs> yeah, you should put a good cover on a book if you're yeah. a publisher. I mean, if you're not going to take the effort, uh, there's something beautiful about a good book cover, and That's so right. this is a good book cover. I recommend it. Yeah, the 500-year anniversary of the Reformation, we haven't done a direct episode on that yet, but we will be discussing that later because the complexity of what happened between the, within the Catholic Church, a reform movement that then uh, uh, blossomed into uh, a large worldwide movement uh, that affected everything from politics to economics, certainly theological understandings of, of things uh, fascinating to look at. Even uh, today where you'll listen to uh, secular uh, historians and things talking about the import of the Reformation to uh, shaping the modern world. It That's was, right. yeah, was uh, ground shaking. Yeah, in fact, um, which, man, it would be fun to talk about this on a full episode. But uh, now we're seeing a lot more non-Christian secular scholars tracing even the, the the blossoming of democracy, yeah, uh, back back through our founding fathers, through John Locke, but even back further to Rutherford and other people who were influenced by John Knox and John Calvin and the yeah. Geneva Experiment and and yeah. Martin Luther and the German peasants. Anyway, it's just a really the shifting of government structures based on ecclesiology or yeah. based upon a church's understanding of how it's governed. Because when you think of medieval Catholicism, uh, the hierarchy of the church in many ways resembled kind of uh, many of the states that were led by kind of a guy at the top. And so uh, the radical reshaping of that, say in the Swiss cantons and certainly in Scotland, yeah. uh, really shaped the trajectory of even how our modern government arrives today. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. That will be a great episode, Jesse. We probably should revisit that at some point. But today we have wireless Mike. Uh, and Mike, I hope you don't mind us nicknaming you, you know. We didn't really ask, did we? It's not the worst thing you could have Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike is in the uh, electrical engineering field and and wireless technology in particular, and so his name is Mike, and so obviously wireless Mike, we're just trying to be cute there. But 
Mike, I mean, obviously, I know I've known you for a while. It's been one of one of the fun things seeing you around now that I've moved back to town. And so having you here on the podcast for the first time, we hope many times to come to talk about other things as well. But we just like to get to know you a little bit. We obviously yeah, did sure. an episode on artificial intelligence and on robotics and future and why we should, uh, as Christians, prefer a human future uh, with technology, certainly a part of that story, but serving the human family. But we would like to know you as a human first. So tell us a little about sure. yourself, your family, your story. Story. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm a, uh, I've been married for almost 25 years. Veteran. Uh, been there a while, yeah. <laughs> uh, father of six children, uh, age, ages ranging from 22 down to seven. So I've got two that are launched off to college, which is a, a scary deal. Where are they school-wise? Uh, my oldest is a senior at the University of Virginia. Uh, which we don't talk a lot That's about. That's right. That. It's a little hokey land down here with Virginia Tech, <laughs> but yeah, Wahoo's good school. And yeah. uh, my second daughter is a uh, sophomore at West Point. Mike has a uh, West Point Fellowship of Christian Athletes shirt on today in the shed quarters. So there we go. Now we know where that's from. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, I have six children. Uh, my third son is a or third child is a boy. He's a senior in high school. And then I have a sophomore, a seventh grader, and then a seven-year-old. Wow, so we've got wow. uh, quite a range there. <laughs> Top to bottom keeping you busy, huh? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, fantastic. Well, in terms of uh, why we, we wanted you on here for several reasons, obviously you're a friend and um, Mike's very active in, in his church. He's a, a member of Blacksburg Christian Fellowship, has taught in various ways uh, through their uh, Sunday curriculum uh, efforts in terms of Christian thought, apologetics, theology, a very astute uh, thinker in terms of the faith, but also uh, he's a he's a technologist in his career. How did you get interested in technology? I mean, Legos, Lincoln Logs, tell us about how you arrived. Oh, sure. So as a kid, like most a lot of kids. I was interested in Legos. I loved Legos. And, but more than that, I just enjoyed understanding how things worked, mm. right? Trying to take something apart, figure out how it works. Mm. Understanding how things work really, uh, that curiosity was uh, a driving force in my life as a kid. And so as I went into school, I naturally gravitated towards science and math and engineering and when I went off to college, I decided I wanted to get into electrical engineering. Oh, wow. So I, I did a little bit of electrical engineering and computer science, ultimately decided that I wanted to go to the electrical engineering route, have a little bit more hardware right. uh, to deal with. Plugging in chips and circuit boards and things oh, rather right. than simply abstracting things in code. Yeah, absolutely. Ended up doing a little bit of both, but yeah, fantastic. Where'd you go to college? I went to college at the University of Toledo okay. in Northwest oh, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not the Zips. Akron is the Zips. Rockets? That's right. The Rockets. Rockets, yeah. Absolutely. Right. In fact, I was on Nick Saban's show one time. Wow. Nick Saban's show. Was, was he a, right. was it? A, I, I'm not a Nick Saban expert. I know Miami Dolphins and LSU and Alabama. Did he start his career at Toledo? He was, yeah, that's right. He started at University of Toledo. I mean, he was um, certainly a, a, an assistant coach before that, but he was right. a head coach at the University of Toledo. Then he went to Michigan State. Then down right. to LSU. Okay, so you had the Nick Saban show, and you were a guest. What were you doing on that show? Uh, they were just interviewing uh, fans, uh, asking questions about uh, about how the season was going. All right. And I, I got set up pretty badly on that. Uh, <laughs> we were trying to set you up good, other than uh, me reading a story about uh, young boys peeing in parabolas uh, <laughs> here today. Um, well, so Toledo, University of Toledo, your graduate school, where did you do your graduate work after that? I uh, came here to Virginia Tech. Okay, wow, okay. Master's, PhD, straight PhD? Got a or? PhD here at Virginia Tech. Okay. Uh, and then from here, went to Bell Laboratories up in New Jersey. 
Fantastic. I read a book on the history of Bell Labs recently, about a year oh. or two ago. Fantastic. And uh, in fact, uh, the, some of the areas in New Jersey, our kids had played soccer near uh, some of Bell Labs. Thing. What was what was your research uh, in your graduate degree and then at Bell Labs? What were the sort of things you were investigating, taking uh, apart as an adult? As so my research focused on wireless communications, and specifically I was working on algorithms to improve the performance of base stations. Okay. So yeah, base yeah. stations are those... Uh, what your cell phone talks to, essentially. Okay. So this was kind of in the in the early days of the cell industry where you're doing, okay, yeah. That's right. And, and Mike said, he said algorithms. That's like uh, optimizing how those things talk to each other in software, or were you? Yeah, so you can, pre- predominantly algorithms are implemented in software. So yeah. you have algorithms that... Uh, like a recipe. Yeah, yeah they take tele- apart the signals that come in to right. pull the information out. Oh, fantastic. So as you can hear, Mike is really smart, Jesse, I think. Uh, yeah, I understood some of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so in Bell Labs and then a position opened up here at the university, and that was this your first appointment in terms of a higher education teaching kind of research faculty position? I was an adjunct at NJIT for a little while yeah. before I before I came down here. Okay, and NJIT, where, where is that? What? In Newark. Newark, okay, awesome. There's a lot of good tech schools in New Jersey. Uh, Stevens Institute of Technology, I used to speak there uh, when I was a pastor in New Jersey, and they were some geeky smart folks doing a lot of tech stuff there as well. So uh, when I got back to Blacksburg, Mike was uh, even telling me like he's uh, been an expert witness in various uh, cases involving large companies that we won't mention here on the underground. No, please don't. I will not. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's fantastic to, to have uh, someone who is both thinking about faith, thinking about technology uh, in the world, uh, with us today, because obviously this is uh, something that affects all of our lives. Um, we, we have technology all over this table in front of us, which is really fun. Um, Mike probably knows how it all works a little bit better than us, uh, Jesse. But So we, we talked a little bit about the future, obviously, um, many times through various uh, science fiction things and films. You know, Technology becomes on the radar of lots of people. Um, but then the actual realities are a little different, or um, I found that a lot of times in marketing, uh, that certain things like uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, everything from the, the you know new versions of kids' toys uh, to every single smartphone, of course, has a machine learning or deep learning or data sets or AI involved. And so I was actually reading an, an, an article on The Verge, a technology blog, as it were, uh, where a guy was going to interview uh, the president of Google, Sundar Pichai, and he said this, The concept of AI is as fuzzy and complicated as the actual mechanics behind it. Since so many products and features we now use purport or say they're powered by it, you can get a sense that AI machine learning is just kind of a BS marketing term. This is a quote from this author on The Verge. And giving Google's lead in the fear, he expected Pichai to have some strong opinions about the difference between artificial intelligence, machine learning, and deep learning. So, Mike, what what are what are we talking about when we hear these terms on commercials and on product marketing? Uh, what what is AI, machine sure. learning, deep learning? What are the difference between those terms? Yeah. So, well, first of all, I, I would I would differentiate between what we sometimes call strong AI and weak AI. So the idea of strong AI, strong artificial intelligence, is the attempt to recreate the human brain. Right. So right, can right. can we create something that can do everything that the brain can like do? Like a conscious, a conscious, a mind, or, essentially yeah. an artificial mind. Right. Right. And and you know, which I think cannot be done, which is for right. both for 
uh, as a scientist and as a, a Christian. I think yeah. that's not possible. But right. okay. So that should be differentiated yeah. from what we call weak AI. And weak AI is really just the development of algorithms and technology that can solve complex problems. Right, right. That's really typically what we mean by AI. Right, right. And that's kind of what we're dealing with today with kind of some people having the dream. You, you said impossible. I, I'm interested in that. But having the dream someday that we could fully kind of replace or replicate minds, you're saying that we can uh, have certain computer systems, a combination of hardware, software, hardware and wetware, some would say now, uh, to solve problems that are the computers are much better suited at solving. So do you, do, right. you, do you think that, uh, do you think computers are smarter than us? Uh, computers, <laughs> they can, you got to help my ego here. <laughs> let us down. That, well, the, the, Is computers computer smarter than Jesse. That's what I want to know. Maybe Jesse. No, 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 no. just kidding. Yeah. Uh, so no, com- computers are very good at, at doing very specific, narrowly defined tasks. Right. And even within those tasks, they can quote unquote learn, mean right. improve their ability, right. uh, but they still require quite a bit of input from humans. Right. Uh, and, and in particular, to design that software to do that narrow task requires quite a bit of what we call domain knowledge, right. expertise. Uh, about the problem they're trying to solve. Right, right. What computers cannot do is they cannot exhibit general intelligence. Right, right. right. Where where the human brain can solve so many different kinds of problems. And you could spend a long time designing software to do specific tasks, but not general And even very, very uh, complex specific tasks. For instance, most of our smartphones today would know what my wife looks like because they can see the same pattern uh, in her facial structure and recognize it over and over and over again and give it enough data, it gets very good at that specific task. Uh, but if, if a computer was to you know, ask, ask, have to figure out what my wife uh, needs emotionally from me tonight, it'd be a very different story, right? Sure, some, absolutely. Some, some irreplaceable, at least <laughs> to my wife. Yeah. All right, good. Well, yeah, yeah so, so complex thing. Was that? Can I jump in there? Yeah, jump in, Jesse. Yeah, so um, I was interested, Mike. So when you say uh, strong artificial intelligence is is not maybe not possible, that's that's my opinion. Yes, right. And, not uh, everybody would agree with me. Right. Right. Yeah. So and and you said the idea of, of consciousness. Um, can you, what does that mean? Help me help me understand. Like, is that so self awareness, or is there more than that? Self awareness, that firsthand experience that we have of the universe, right? So we experience things on a moment to my mo- by moment basis that a, a, a computer cannot do that. So we can simulate what's going on in the mind, right. but that is very different than actually reproducing what's right. going on in the mind. Okay. Right. There, in, in philosophy of mind, uh, there is a, um, a, a, a feud, let's say, a war between those who who would subscribe to strong AI, men like Ray Kurzweil, who's employed by Google, who would say that consciousness or um, consciousness is simply the emergence uh, of something from these complex processes. So you get enough processing power, all of a sudden you have a mind or consciousness. Whereas uh, the other side of thing would be called Mysterians. They would say, no, there's something much more uh, uh, complex and maybe we would say spiritual at work. People like David Chalmers at New York University, um, certainly John 
Cyril, who uh, at Berkeley, philosophers that said, no, we're not just dealing with, hey, you get enough power and enough uh, uh, processing power, you're going to have a mind. Um, that you, you have to have much more than that to, to have that take place. One of the examples that's classic in this uh, discussion is uh, the, something called the Chinese Room Problem by John Searle, um, who basically said if you, know, you, sit, you sit someone in a room uh, and he has a, a comprehensive algorithm, uh, of how to change uh, characters from Chinese to English. If you put in a Chinese character, you follow the recipe precisely and accurately, you put out another character on the other side. If you do that fast enough, which we know computers are super fast at doing these type of tasks, uh, you will appear right to, on the other side, be fluent in both English and Chinese. The problem is uh, the person uh, doing the translation doesn't know anything of Chinese. Right. Right. And so uh, one person said it when, uh, uh, Deep Blue, uh, classic IBM computer that beat uh, Gary Kasparov in 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 the in the 90s in a game of chess. You know, world chess master defeated by the computer. Um, one of the uh, one of the things that was said afterwards is like, well, Deep Blue is not thinking about it. Uh, he's just doing it, and he's certainly not thinking about taking Deep Pink out for dinner uh, after his uh, victory that day. And so when Mike says that he thinks it's not possible, it's he, you're taking sides in this philosophical world what a mind is. I am, yes. And is that, that you said, for both scientific and, and Christian convictions. Yes. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Sure. So as a Christian, uh, so I'm a dualist. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a mind-body dualist. Right. So I, w- I would that say there's that, a material part to us and an immaterial part. That's of us. right. Yeah. And, and that there is no way that we can reproduce that right. spiritual or immaterial. Right. Because part. that's a unique creation by God. Correct. Yeah. But even uh, if we look at it from a purely materialistic point of view, the brain is a is more than just uh, the firing of neurons. Right? right. There are complex biochemical processes going on inside the brain that somehow come together and interact in a way that causes consciousness in a way we don't quite honestly understand. We, we don't have the foggiest clue about and, that. And there's no way for a computer simulation a computer program right. to reproduce that. Right, right. One illustration, I'll, I'll ask you what you think of this, that I heard years ago is that if you were going into, say, a movie theater to watch Thor Ragnarok, uh, on IMAX, right? You're in this theater and you have many things involved. There's chairs, there's many, many high powered speaker systems. There's a, you know, a three story high screen. There's a projector. Uh, there's a computer inside the projector that's uh, putting various data out through a light projector kind of thing, depending on what process, hopefully DLP using mirrors or something, put up this wonderful experience. But if you were to say, what is the movie? Well, you'd be erroneous to say that the movie is actually the light particles uh, flying through the air or the, the, the movie is the screen or the movie is, you know, the computer that's running the, the, the software to, to make that happen. Uh, the, com- the movie itself is actually something more that even though it's running in these physical substrates, we know that the mind uh, certainly plays out in the brain, um, but you wouldn't say that's you. In the same way, the movie is themes, plots, ideas, many things that are non-material, but they're happening right. uh, in this physical space. Yeah, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's a great, a great analogy. Yeah, yeah, and I and I really like the John Searle's uh, Chinese room yeah. uh, analogy. I mean, it brings out the difference between syntax, which right. computers 
can do. Very good. Simple versus, manipulation. That's yep. right. Versus semantics. Right. Really right. understanding. Meaning. Meaning. Yeah, fantastic. Humans are meaning creators, meaning interpreters, and meaning understanders. We're designed that way by God. Uh, computers are very good at things that uh, like uh, manipulate symbols very, very fast. And I think that's where the major, you know, computers smarter than us? No, but are they better at certain types of things than us? Absolutely. Um, because we can put our uh, logical uh, knowledge about a specific subset into software system algorithms, and it does that uh, marvelously well, what do you think about those on the other side of, of that fence who are not uh, willing to say there's some sort of dualistic nature to people that um, we're just, we're nothing but uh, the, you know, time plus energy plus chance, uh, matter bumping together in a certain su- uh, structure, you know, you have a certain complex structure of matter, I mean, you call it your brain, your central nervous system, uh, that's you. And so maybe there's some state where you could take a snapshot of your software in your brain, uh, maybe move it uh, to another system, another uh, physical system, like, a, you know, a neural network or a large matrix of computers. Um, men like Ray Kurzweil, who's literally, who works for Google, wonderful technologist, obviously very active in text-to-speech kind of uh, research early. I helped Stevie Wonder uh, with some something wonderful technology, certainly uh, dictation software, uh, still some of his technology that he invented uh, involved with that. But he's he's on record saying that he's quite literally written many books on it, the age of spiritual machines, the singularity is near. He calls the singularity the time where human intelligence will be far outstripped by computer intelligence. And he thinks if he stays alive long enough, so now he's into all kind of sort of human longevity uh, techniques to stay alive long enough to upload himself into, you know, become a software system and we'll all live in a virtual world kind of thing. Um, so he's on the other side of that. Do you think that's just foolishness? Are you going to read his obituary? <laughs> um, well, I, I, Maybe I always hesitate to call a, yeah. uh, somebody who's so a pretty brilliant. intelligent fellow yeah, yeah. Uh, foolish. Apologize um, to uh, Ray Kurzweil for the word foolishness, but do you <laughs> do you feel like... Uh, uh, again, like a... I think the best that he can hope for is that a program could simulate the way his mind works. Right. And it could mimic it for future people right. to interact with. Right. And they could, prote- they could potentially believe that he's still there. That's right. But he himself... That's would right. not have that experience. They have enough of your vocabulary, your tendencies, your interactions with different people. Uh, certainly software systems could read everything he's ever written uh, and certainly develop a certain uh, semblance of them where he, you know, post on his Facebook page, you would think it was him. Um, but certainly it it would not be metaphysically him. him. And he would not have that experience. And he would the not. people ha- yeah, around that's him a very good point. would have that experience. Yeah, people would have that experience of this system, but he would not be conscious of it. Correct. Yeah. And that's that's the divide between the Mysterians and the uh, the strong AI people. Now, even within strong AI, there there are brute force folks, and there are other folks that are doing trying to do things like quantum computing and things. There's there's all kinds of diversity out there. If you're interested, uh, hit us up info at gospelunderground.org. We send you some wonderful things uh, to read on consciousness. Well, in terms of technology, um, as a Christian, Mike, um, its purposes and use. Uh, what are some of the things that you feel like are, are wonderful uses in the future that you see coming in the industry? Uh, let's just start there. What are some of the things uh, in technology that you're excited about? Because as a kid with Legos, you wanted to build stuff, understand how they work. Now are, are you uh, still excited about the future? Or you're helping our Wi-Fi be better, I think, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I am. I, you know, that, that's a great, great question, uh, uh, you know, because that, that's something that you ask yourself every day. What's the yeah. point 
of what I'm working on. Yeah, like, I think everyone asks, you know, like, what am I doing with my life? And what is the point of this in the bigger picture of things? Right. Sorry to put you in this existential crisis here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think it, um, ultimately, God, it's God's grace that he gives us the ability to overcome the curse, right? The, the world is the way it is because of, because of the curse and because of the fall. And he, in his grace, he has given us the ability to be creative, Right. And to create technology and to use that technology to potentially make life better. Yeah. Uh, and and, and um, we can use it, obviously, to help people to to I mean, the, the, the world, it, you know, sometimes we don't see it as as clearly in the uh, in, in our world, first world, as they sometimes call it. Uh, but it, as you go outside of the first world, you re- realize uh, how difficult life is in so many places, right. Right? or how, for most of human history and existence, it's very you know Absolutely. brutal and short. Right? Absolutely, and so technology can be used for many, many good purposes. So I, I, I do think I am excited to to work in technology, and I think that it is important for Christians to be involved in in technology and in scientific fields. Um, if for no other reason is that there needs to be a voice, yeah. right, in those areas to say, "Whoa, hold it." Is this is this the best use of this technology? Is this serving humanity to make life better? Or is it just serving human human pride or certain groups over others and things like that? Yeah, right. it's uh, certainly certainly could be the case. One of the things that I heard not too long ago on another podcast actually was someone saying that uh, kind of our culture in America, because we have all this technology, that we're privileged. And, you know, obviously that word's thrown around a lot today to mean many things that well, we're privileged because we have clean water or we're privileged because we have all this you know, life expectancies different than the rest of the world. Uh, but the implication was um, we should kind of feel bad about it. Um, in, in reality, uh, civilization has worked very hard uh, and to serve both God and people by creating technologies. I mean, let's think about the things we've learned in, in our civilization about, you know, how disease happens and how clean water is obtained. And what I've seen is that our culture and certainly people even that, that we probably know wanting to freely share this with others uh, for the love of humanity because humanity's made in the image of God. And so um, I, I personally appreciate the work on wi- wireless base stations that allows me to talk to my wife on cell technology now today and certainly uh, my wi-fi being better makes me happy so man i'm really grateful for you and your work you're doing in that in that space well what about ethical issues do you see um obviously overstatements you know we try to be we'll try to be as gods and certainly a lot of our technology today would be considered magic you know 500 years ago what are some ethical concerns you might see uh in the industry uh that that we maybe should be concerned about or aware of well of course we we were talking about ai and so one of the issues that is uh coming up quite frequently uh, with regards to to artificial intelligence is will it put lots of people out of jobs, right. right? So for example, the the one thing that we hear a lot about right now is self-driving cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine that if tomorrow uh, trucking companies decided they were going to, to deploy fleets and fleets of self-driving vehicles, all of a sudden you've got potentially millions of people out of work. It's a large sector of, of employment in the transportation industry, right? It's Correct. huge, huge. Correct. Yeah. Between uh, trucking, the trucking industry or the cab industry. Yeah, shipping, yeah. Yep, shipping. So, so certainly we need to be cognizant of that. Um, 
I, I think that in general, what we tend to see is that uh, these things roll out sufficiently slowly so that right. society can adjust, that right. e and econ economic forces can adjust. Right. So, for example, in, in the case of self-driving cars, I would anticipate uh, that th initially they will help truck drivers, that th mm. those technologies will be very beneficial to them and make things easier for them, uh, although it will uh, probably reduce the, the need for people in that field. Right. But uh, I hopefully it will happen at a, at a pace that will allow people to go into other fields. Right. Phasing in of autopilot for truckers that are overworked, Correct. making their lives better. But yet at the same time, uh, people that are wanting, hey, I want to be a trucker. Maybe when you're 12 years old, you shouldn't be thinking that thought these days. Correct. That's right. Because we, you know, we know the the state of the the autonomous vehicle industry, all the technologies there, the the wonderful lidar technology, where lights and radars, where they can use lasers to determine its place in its environment, and then the rapid computer systems that that are tracking the position of all these sensors on a car. Everything's there. Mercedes has driving trucks, self-driving trucks, ready to go. Um, it's now it's a matter of legislature. How do we do it safely? And then even overcoming, you know, public perception. You know, sure. you know, robo car or whatever. You know. Uh, it's actually probably going to be safer. It probably will eliminate uh, casualties uh, in the uh, driving, auto uh, fatality by auto accidents. So that's good. But yeah, but we have to get ready so that mass unemployment. How do how do we deal with that? Because in history, when there's mass unemployment for various reasons, there's usually uh, violence. <laughs> that's right. Unrest. Yeah. Even within the even within the self self driving car scenario and, and truck scenario, there's the ethical concerns of. Um, how do you how do you program your your, yeah. your truck or your car as far as wh wh who's it avoiding? Is it avoiding yeah. you know the pedestrian? Is it you know there's there's even ethical? It seems like there's a whole burgeoning field of ethics within this where yeah. where these companies have to ask hard questions. Right. We talked about in the, in the previous one about how Mercedes yes, are, protect, are training their or, or the programming their cars to protect the driver rather than the pedestrian. Yeah. Uh, or the other, or, or the, the school cars. bus full of kids, or something yeah. like that, and and complex ethical decisions that humans we already always already struggle with and disagree upon. Even now, yeah. you have to put into a software system. Um, it's like whose morality uh, will the Terminator have? I hope the Terminator is much more like Jesse uh, than than like me, because it'll be a better 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 place yeah i think that's right i think that's right well hey mike thanks so much for for sharing a little bit of a, of your expertise your story your your career track and even i mean i even looked at your face when i asked you i was like hey why do you do this today you're like wow that's a that's a deep question i mean that uh, jesse as a pastor and a train trainer of a future minister myself as a christian apologist a speaker we, we we all do wrestle with that that we do want uh what we do jesse we ought to have a uh thing on vocation yeah i'm gonna do a podcast here on the underground what do we do and how does it connect with both uh god's purposes for the world our lives and human flourishing is absolutely essential at least you're not inventing the atomic bomb like others did long ago <laughs> you got us cell phones whether or not that's an atomic bomb we'll ask all the kids on snapchat well, hey, we're going to finish up here today with just a, a little bit of fun just to get to Mike. Mike, one of the things I didn't say about Mike, he's a he's a he's a soccer guy, which I love now. Soccer is now my favorite sport. That's a confession and a testimony. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I love the soccer pitch uh, as well as technology. So having my friend here today, it's into both those things is a 
as a blessing to me. We have this little thing that uh, Jesse actually uh, created this segment called In or Out. Jesse, you want to explain it to Mike before we put him through it? Yeah, so the idea is we're going to throw some uh, some options at you. We're going to say, hey, uh, here's a question or here's, you know, what do you think about this? And you can choose, I'm going to go in on this and I'll give you an answer. Or uh, I just want to stay out. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. Uh, so you, yeah, you get to choose. I'm, I'm in on this one or I'm out. You want me to start? Um, no, yeah, you, you can start. You start. I'll start. Okay, I'll start. Okay. Um, in or out. Uh, biometric tracking of human beings through hardware, say like chip implants. Your, your employer says, hey, put this chip in your hand so you can you eat at the cafeteria and we can uh, pay you that way. Are you into biometric, biometric tracking human beings with chip implants? Are you out? What are your opinions on that? Uh, well, I, I certainly would be out. Uh, well, I'll jump in yeah, on the question you go, there you go. and I would opt out of the biometric chip. Uh, however, I, I'm afraid that we're probably just about there anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Between uh, their ability to track my cell phone, the cameras and facial recognition software, my credit cards, they pretty much know where yeah, I am at yeah. 24-7. If, if the men in black exist, they know us and everything we do. All right, Jesse, you're up. You know, when I was a kid, in the '80s, you know, I I, I remember going to um, well, going to church with these these friends of mine and their families, and, and they were way into like kind of the the dispensational um, extreme es- eschatology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I remember talking about microchips being the sign of the beast, yeah. the mark of the beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, just in there's case. still that there's just still that case. crowd. There's still that oh, crowd yeah. that has that theology and maybe reads Revelation. It's actually your way. credit card now. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I'm in on that. Ch- um, on that. Yeah. Okay, okay, Mike. So you're into soccer. Um, yeah. The U.S. men's national team missing Ouch. the 2018 World Cup first time in 30 over 30 years that we Ooh. missed a World Cup. Are you Ooh. in or out talking about that? It might be too soon, Jesse. <laughs> too soon, too soon, too soon. Uh, that, out is fine. That was so painful. I'm not sure I can talk about it yet. Yeah, okay, the, okay. The, the, the perfect storm that had to happen that day. It's like it's like the emergence of human beings in the world. It's a miracle. How did we not qualify? I was throwing stuff, man. Okay, in or out. Who's easier to coach in soccer, girls or boys? In or out first and then explain. Uh, I'll jump in on this one. So I've, I've coached both boys and girls. And uh, so in back-to-back years now, I coached a boys high school team and the girls high school team. And I will say, having coached boys and girls from kindergarten through uh, seniors in high school, I will tell you that girls are by far easier <laughs> to coach. By far. That's because they don't... That's, that's because they're not doing projectile pee after practice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay, uh, in or out here. Uh, best tip or tips for a, for a long marriage or, or success in marriage. You've been married 27 years, and you've got six kids, and you're, you're still going strong in your marriage. So best tips uh, for a strong marriage. Sure. Okay, so uh, best tip for a marriage. Uh, I would say that one of the things that has served me well – over the last several years, especially, is I, you learn to, whenever you hear your wife say something, make sure that you put it in the best possible tone you can imagine <laughs> so that you don't read into what she's saying. Ah, okay. Right? Yeah, I don't do that. Yeah. So, so you try That's to imagine good. what she's saying to you being said in the best possible tone, even if it's coming at you in a different way. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, because I, could I, we create an algorithm that yeah, would translate our wives' yeah. voices into kind, I just soothing tone? Change tones? Your tone. 
that change your tone, well. woman. That's Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen to the wireless mic. He's giving us good advice. I'm also going to tell him not to not to listen to this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. I'll tell him that. So try to think the best when your wife is presenting information to you. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and on a serious note, uh, what <laughs> I, I tend, and I, I will only confess this for myself, I tend to hear more than what is actually said. Right, right. And right. once I learn to try to push that away and just hear the words yeah. and put that in, in the best possible tone, I find that we get we run into far fewer disagreements. Man, that's good, Mike. I tend to hear less than what's said, <laughs> but I still need to hear it in the best possible tone. That's good. Thank you. Hear the words, feel their feelings, and run. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Our wives are great. I actually know all, all, all the women that we're married to. I certainly know my wife, but I know their wives as well. And guys, I can tell you what, we have been blessed. All right, back to, uh, back to more geeky things. Uh, in or out, which company... Um, and they are listening right now, um, will be most likely to be Skynet. If for those of you who are unfamiliar, that's from the Terminator, Terminator. where uh, Skynet becomes self-aware and nukes everyone and takes over the world and sends Arnold Schwarzenegger to kill the prophesied uh, John Connor. Uh, which which uh, company is most likely to turn into Skynet? Google, Facebook, Amazon, remember they have web services, or Microsoft, in or out? Uh, I'll, I'll jump in, and since they already know what I'm going to say... That's right. They're doing predictive uh, speech on you right now. That's right. They've already determined that I'm going to say Google. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually agree. I think you should fear the Google. All right. Uh, final final thoughts. Um, uh, in or out on this. And actually, I'm just going to say I'd love for you to go in on this. Uh, thoughts for Christians working in technology, or those, you know, young people, you know, Kylie, my 14-year-old daughter, considering careers in technology, science, math, engineering, those kind of things. What, what kind of counsel would you give as a career coach? Uh, uh, any advice, wisdom after working now in the industry for some time? What, what would you give to those people who are believers in Jesus, love, love God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength, going into this kind of uh, field. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll jump in on that. Uh, so, first of all, I, I'll repeat what I said earlier, is that I would really encourage uh, believers to go into this field because it is important that our voice is heard in, that, in this area. Um, as we discussed earlier, uh, the, the ethics, the uh, whether or not technology should be developed and how it should be used is a very important consideration. And having believers... Uh, being involved in the, that development, it, it, I think, is, is crucial. For, right. I think that's important for our country and certainly yeah. uh, I- important for the body of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would definitely encourage people to go into that. And to not be... I think sometimes Christians fear technology to a certain extent because yeah. it seems dehumanizing. Yeah. But, yeah. but to see it... it's a bit mysterious. If yeah. We don't understand it, perhaps, yeah. But, but to, again, see technology as tools that God has provided provide for and it is it is part of the creative process that God has blessed us with and it is certainly uh it can be part of God's mercy in a in a fallen world yeah right? yeah uh, yeah amen that's good yeah I like the idea of it, that's really good like uh there's a lot of decisions that need to be made all along the way as far as what direction we're, we're gonna we're gonna aim technology I was reading as you guys were talking about Kurzweil I was reading an interview he gave at South by Southwest this year yeah uh about uh and that by the 2030s, connecting into the cloud via our our um, uh, 
we're going to be connected in in our neocortex. Jacking in. Jacking in. We're going to be, and he said, we're going to be funnier. We're going to be better at music. We're going to be sexier. <laughs> all that sounds great. And he said, we're really going to exemplify all the things that we value in humans to a greater degree. Oh, yeah. Uh, in, in other words, Elon Musk has nothing to be worried about. It's going to, yeah. it's just going to be great. It's all going to be better. And uh, I just, man, we need, we need Calvinists and, and yeah. <laughs> you know, some, some human depravity, on, yeah. honesty about like maybe, yeah. uh, maybe, some people that would be true, but then what yeah. about uh, people yeah. who want to who who want to take advantage of that? Or yeah, well, even even that quote, Jesse, that's a great quote. Thanks for looking that up for us. Uh, it is so value laden. Like, what is funny? What is beautiful? Yeah. What is good? The these questions, right, are not uh, philosophically neutral. They're not ideological ne right. neutral. Absolutely. And so, um, what is good and right and true and excellent and worthy of praise, right? Um, is is a question that technology doesn't answer. The true, the good, uh, the beautiful, what theologians have called transcendentals, right? These are gifts that flow out of the nature and character of God and are appreciated and enjoyed amongst the human community. But as Jesse said, a human community also is fallen, uh, broken, and depraved. Uh, and we do as much uh, wickedness with our technology uh, as we do good. And it's important for us, I think, as Christians to remember uh, the good of creation as well as the uh, brokenness. Uh, sometimes, you know, so, so, someone on the theological spectrum would say, well, it's all gloom and doom. Uh, but on the other side, it's not all good. Uh, and so there's a balanced worldview that Jesus gives us, right? He, he wouldn't entrust himself to certain folks because he said he knew what was in a man. Uh, what is in the human, and we see that all the time. I, I tell my kids this morning, it's like, they're like, what's in the news today? And they were concerned about this most recent shooting in a church. And that, that's just an example, right, of, of technology, yeah. right, being yeah. used. And in our culture, rightly, we should talk about the technology, guns, and things like that. I mean, it's a right political discussion for us to have. We're taking no sides today on that, brothers. Um, but at the same time, we're not talking about the, the human being and the human society uh, that we uh, shape people uh, and what people do out of their own hearts. And uh, that is a question that is... Um, it's meta to science. Uh, yeah. It is metaphysical, theological. Yeah, we need more. we need people in those in the in those fields who have a, a thick understanding of both common grace, the grace of of God over all of humanity, the beauties of God over all of humanity, and of, of depravity and 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 what we're capable of. And so I think that's good. Thanks, Mike. Fantastic. Well, any final thoughts for us before you exit the shed quarters here today, Mike? Uh, no, I just want to thank you both for having me on. It's uh, it's been fun. Well, it's it's been our pleasure, and we thank you. We know uh, you have you said twenty five year marriage and six children active in your local church. Just saying that, and let alone guiding uh, young students in their research, and then certainly the things you're doing in the industry. Uh, the privilege was ours to have you, and uh, I don't know if we're going to get him to promise on air, but we'd love to have him back. Yeah. Um, we're probably sure. going to have an episode on epistemology, the nature of truth, and fake news. That should be a wonderful one to have you back on with us here if we can get oh, that, that on fun. the count. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for joining us here today on the Gospel Underground. We are very grateful to Sugar and the High Lows for allowing us to license the song See It For Yourself as our theme song. Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer House. As always, send your comments, feedbacks, uh, your Google searches that they're watching uh, to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture. Hope you see see you in those technological fields. Peace.